the Super Jump Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Mitchell Farley-Wolf, and we have a very interesting special episode for you today because we are here with... Oh my god, Daryl, I've forgotten your last name. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, man, we really got like far into planning without that problem taking hold. What is your last name? <laughs> it's Baxter. <laughs> Baxter, that's correct. I'm sorry. Do you want to start the show over? We can, we can start again. <laughs> that's fine, man. I don't mind at all. Let's just do it. It's freestyling. All right. <laughs> Daryl Baxter is a freelance writer uh, and, and podcast producer that has. Um, we've interacted a, a little bit over email before, and we've this yeah. uh, episode, this collaboration between us, has actually been a long time coming. And I'm glad yeah. we were finally able to do it. Uh, sure. Daryl, do you want to just talk uh, briefly about what you do and and, uh, and, and what, what, what kind of things you're interested in? Yeah, sure. So um, I've been freelance writing and full-time for about six months now, but writing for about oh, just over two years. And it's it really goes from reviews to features to um, editorials. And I've just been kind of going all over, really, just really been doing it uh, relentlessly, mainly in the retro game side, um, reviewing games for the Switch mainly as well, because I love the Switch. I'm sure we'll get into that soon. Um, and also just a lot of opinions about the retro side, because, you know, I just I love my retro games. And it's definitely one of those times where I just wanted to do something I enjoyed and writing in retro games, perfect match. So, um, yeah, I've been doing that. And of course, you know, you said about the podcasting, so I've got two. So one is uh, Power Keys, where I interview guests about their favorite game and boss stage with some chat. And the other one, which is just actually going on hiatus at the moment till June, called The Outpost Show. I interview people about their iPads and how they use them. And it's been really fun. Uh, that's been going about 18 months now and Power Keys since January. So yeah, a lot going on. That's awesome. Uh, I I think we'll be dipping into your iOS expertise later on in the show, uh, considering one of our news <laughs> items. But before we get to the news, we have, as always, our first segment of the show, the Playtime Report. The Playtime Report is where we talk about what we've been playing lately, and it's been a good amount of time since the last episode of the Super Jump podcast. I've surprisingly not played that much in that time, but uh, <laughs> Daryl, I've watched so much dragon ball oh um great just in the last couple of weeks uh did, have you ever gotten into dragon ball oh absolutely absolutely i remember i was 12 13 years old and it just came on toonami a cartoon network and first showed the uh raditz saga and just kept watching from there and yeah it was just amazing and i've been keeping up with super as well this um past year it's been amazing yeah, I uh, I've seen the the hubbub about Super, and uh, <laughs> so, some people love Super, some people are are a little mixed on Super. But yeah. I I just kind of wanted to know how I would feel about it, but I can't watch it because I only ever watched like be before now. Yeah, the original Dragon Ball series. Okay, the, the Goku as a kid leading up to yeah. the beginning of Z, and I've watched like a little of the beginning of Z. Oh, but okay. in the last Honestly, one month I've watched all of Z Kai and Dragon Ball GT, which people have tried to like tell me I don't need to do for GT, which I respect <laughs> as an opinion. 
but yes. <laughs> uh but i did i'm just doing it and dude this it's it's been a lot of dragon ball really fast <laughs> i'm talking about it in the playtime report section because it struck me how similar dragon ball as a structure is to most video games um yeah. and, and it's and it's weird because the the original story was written um kind of before video games took mainstream appeal mm. in, in the it was in the mid 80s but mm. still it it all the all the mechanics are very much it feels like they're ripped out of a video game like characters are talking about uh like mechanical fusions between characters which you see now in like gachapon games all the time mm. and uh power levels which is basically rpg like exp and stuff and uh and, and, and so many things that j- just it, it really freaked me out how well they were able to write a story mm. using so many of the mechanical contrivances of an entirely different medium mm. and uh yeah that, that was something that that occurred to me as i was watching it i'm gonna watch super soon do you like super I, yeah i mean the thing is i mean i i love all of it really i haven't admittedly i've watched a hell of a lot of um, the first dragon ball series but you know z mm. is something that you know i totally get from where you're coming from with the rpg elements i mean you know you've got like you know the zenzu beans as kind of like a potion or even almost like a phoenix yeah. down from final fantasy and you know of course i mean you've got you know like the uh, the super saiyans like levels as well and that could be almost kind of attributed to kind of like limit breaks uh, when it comes to say like cloud and squall and things like that you know it's amazing um can't really right. think of it like yeah. an analogy with um guardian forces or materia but um i i can i can i can surely um think of a relation soon but yeah it's i can totally get that and uh you know i think and um, they like the series creator akira toriyama i think he did designs for chrono trigger as well so um there's a lot of um he did he did there. um he did chrono trigger and he did dragon um every dragon quest that's it yeah the the, the character artwork is by him he's probably done more work on dragon quest than dragon ball all, all put together <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely crazy yeah but that's it. I mean, it's it's a weird thing with Dragon Ball and especially the Z series because I feel like, especially when it came to like America and Europe, you know, really in the late nineties, especially because of Cartoon Network, there's a whole lot of nostalgia that's kind of come with it now. And because people have now grown up with it, a lot of people, you know, in, in kind of like our age, you know, like the um, late twenties, we've really kind of like attributed kind of a lot of our, I mean, like fitness um you know motivation and I definitely there's a few friends of mine that definitely kind of attribute like some of their you know encouragement from certain scenes in Dragon Ball Z whether it's like Vegito or even Vegeta like trying to ascend to a Super Saiyan I mean that's something I really kind of sure you know relate to so and I'll never forget that scene <laughs> yeah. when he's you know in the rain and he's like I have to ascend and get past this I've been training for so long against these androids and it's come to nothing so I have to go to the next level and, you know, not to get too deep, like 10 minutes in this podcast, but, you know, obviously, you know, we've all got that urge to, you know, do better and go beyond what we are expected, really. And I think we can relate a hell of a lot there in, in the Z series, especially. I Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Uh, and you, 
Well, <laughs> th- this is going to be a weird transition no matter how we do it. You've been playing <laughs> Yoshi, uh, the new Yoshi game. How's th- how is that? It's good. Yeah, I mean, I was um, I was given it to review for a newspaper and I've been playing it for the last couple of weeks and the review came out on Friday and, you know, it's, it is a good game. Um, you know, first off, it really is a fun game and it's the perfect one to play on a commute, you know, but it, it doesn't really add anything new uh, because, I mean, I was right. saying this, like, even though it's called Yoshi's Crafted World, I do kind of like to call it Super Mario World eight really because it is like it started with mario world 2 and we've come on so far since then and i think there's not really been a lot added to this entry but i think the switch and how you use the switch really works in this game because you can just take it anywhere and especially with the two-player element as well when you're putting the joy cons into it it works really well um it was it worked with the crafted you know, world elements of the design everywhere worked really well and the graphics were great. But there were times when you thought, oh, I just want to get past this level now. I just want to finish it and that's it. And then like just go on and play like maybe Alex Kidd, you know, as a break. Um, but yeah, <laughs> sure. over, yeah. overall, it, it was all right. It was nice. And um, if you want to, if you want like a long commute to work, perhaps it's perfect for it. My 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 take on this game is that I'm I'm sure it's I'm sure it's not bad. Yeah. But for me, in in, in order to um, you know, I'm not reviewing it, so in order to to justify spending money on it, it I'd have to mm. in, invent some way in which I think it would be worth it, and I, I'm I'm struggling a little bit because of how little it does that's new, and that's not like always my stance on games that are um you know incremental improvements over previous games in the series but yeah for some reason this game it, it just can't it, it's there's a road it can't cross for me and I, i'm 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 wondering why i feel that way with this game specifically mm, yeah that's it i mean i think this is like kind of a lot goes on the other side of nostalgia as well because a lot of people remember playing mario world 2 or even playing on the snes mini that was released you know i think a couple years ago now so a lot of people remember sure, yeah. how that was. And, you know, you see Yoshi and, of course, this was a game that was delayed as well. I mean, it was meant to be released, I think, last year. And it, it's now, you know, March 2019. And, you know, it's been mm-hmm. released. And, you know, it, it's a nice game. It's good. And it, and it does its, you know, like design elements well, you know, where you aim the eggs where you can. And, you know, it, it uses that crafted world again really well. But it, it's just... it's. Pretty much, if I could sum it up, it's just a big pile of meh, really, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Best way I can describe it. it. It's a big pile of what? What was the word? <laughs> I think it's a British term. It's like just meh, just M E H. It's just oh meh. Oh okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I uh, no, that that could have been any number of words. <laughs> that <laughs> sure, yeah, no, it's yeah, yeah. Yeah, I played the demo, and the demo is um, just the first level of the game, which I think is probably a bad demo for this kind of game because the first mm. level of the game is so slow and easy and short that you I, I don't know if you even get a great idea of what you're doing for the rest of the game that's uh, anywhere near challenging, if not like 
dexterously challenging maybe mentally challenging or mm. at, at the very least makes you feel like you're 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 doing something that uh wouldn't get done without you and yeah yeah it, that, that first level didn't do that and i you know there's other things to play right now sekiro just came out uh there, there's so many things so mm. it, it, it's it's hard it's hard to make that argument for for yoshi's crafted world but at the same time i'm sure that if i did play it it would be it would be fine it would be good yeah yeah that's it, it it's a fun yeah. game overall you know it, it's great to you know um waste a bit of time if you're waiting for an appointment of a dentist or a doctor's or you're on a train commute you know it's perfect for that um but you know you said about the first um level demo and i'll be honest it's it's pretty much the same throughout the game there are some elements which you know kind of change the like the gameplay now and again but not dramatically um but yeah and um, without spoiling it too much it's you you pretty much nailed it from the demo <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that's a little disappointing, but I, I guess from from my perspective, I'm also uh, uh, the kind of person that has a really hard time getting on board with a new, um, with any new Kirby game. Yeah. Um, and and I I think that the new Yoshi games and pretty much all Kirby games are are, are similar in my mind because they are action platformers by genre that are, mm. um, in, in in their design slow and low action, so it it kind of feels like some sort of design contradiction but i know i'm I'm not um necessarily in the majority with kirby because i know people enjoy kirby games mm. so uh i i i wonder how this uh th- this game is gonna fare in in a critical sense we, we've seen reviews come out already and it's gotten around um an, an eight point an 8.0 from just about everywhere it's gotten yeah. eight out of ten across the board um so but i'm I'm interested to see like in a year from now will, will we be thinking about yoshi's crafted world at all or will it be more like kirby star allies where it's kind of you know that was a fun thing for a little bit but like we're done talking about kirby star allies <laughs> hmm. yeah I, i'll be curious too it's i think it's definitely one of those titles where it's it's good to kind of like ties you over until like maybe the next game in say like maybe mario or zelda it's one of those kind of games if that makes sense like one of those to tide you over sure, yeah and i think it, it does that job really well and eight out of ten for the yoshi's crafted world i think is accurate you know and i think of course you know with the you know the online service of the switch as well i think a lot of people are waiting for the snes games to come onto that as well and of course you know there's maybe an expectation that Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island will be coming to that as well. So, you know, once again, it could be a good tide over till E3. We could be seeing something there. Um, but then again, you said about Dragon Ball Z. I mean, I'm still playing Dragon Ball Fighter Z on the Switch. So, I mean, it's a great thing to kind of go between them and go back to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but for the, for the record, though, like my my feeling about the, the the platformer thing, it doesn't apply to the first Yoshi Island game. I think the first Yoshi's Island is is like it's difficult actually. It's it's <laughs> fast paced yeah. and it, it it requires some 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 dexterity. So I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm a little sour on the fact that Yoshi has become this thing that it wasn't originally. Um, I don't know. I don't I don't need to be a big Yoshi purist. Um, it says here that you've also been playing Turok. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, that is, um, is definitely this the not original Turok? Turok. 
No, not not a platformer. <laughs> is is this the the original Turok that that came out for the sixty four? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's uh, amazing, really. I like to think that this is the first um, N64 port that we've seen for the Switch. So I'm pretty much playing an N64 game on the Switch now, and it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> oh, I didn't know this came out on, on Switch. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. it's. I had no idea. Yeah, it, it came out uh, a week last Wednesday, so about the 23rd of March it came out. And yeah, it, it oh, okay. just... Yeah really great and i'm just amazed i mean i remember playing it in the on the n64 right, way back and now I'm, I'm just playing it you know on a switch on handheld mode or on docked mode with my 8-bit do controller and i love it you know everything just works well there's no slowdown it's all widescreen it's just great you know it, it works so well and it's definitely one of those thick one of those games where you play a stage you play a moment of a stage and it keeps pulling you back in for more you can't help but just go oh where does that path lead where does that cave lead what does this weapon do it's such a fun game and i can't wait for the sequel to come to it as well because they've announced that it's also coming soon as well so that'll be good oh that's that's awesome i man i had no idea that even happened um does it does it hold up is does it feel as good in 2019 as it did in the late 90s yeah yeah it's uh great yeah crazy absolutely mad i just hope that with turok 2 they bring the multiplayer aspect to the switch as well because you know classic you know four player multiplayer will be amazing on the switch with those joy cons yeah yeah that that is that is just a a great fit (laughs) for the for the platform yeah yeah absolutely it'll be really great i can't wait so Daryl, we 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 can uh, talk about individual games for a long time, but mm-hmm. I would like to cut us off here because we have so much huge news uh, <laughs> that happened recently, and uh, I'm excited to get into it with you. So let's yeah. head into the newsy nibble. Let's start small and and, and work our way up to uh, mm. the bigger news. So Nintendo yeah. had a Nindies Direct where they were talking about a lot of their uh, independent developer collaborations. Mm. And two titles were announced that I thought were above the rest in in, in terms of importance. Mm. And those are Cuphead and Cadence of Hyrule. Uh, So... Let's start start starting with Cuphead. Uh, this this game has long been talked about as a potential perfect fit for for Switch, just the way it looks. Uh, it's not too graphically intensive, but it is very graphically interesting. Yeah. And uh, just, just the fact that it's a side scroller. Apparently, every side scroller needs to come to Switch. That's uh, <laughs> the law. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but it was it was funded in part by Microsoft. Mm. So that would in, in in any other situation mean that it's going to be an Xbox exclusive if if it was funded in part by Sony you know it's going to be a PlayStation exclusive right mm. not the case here it mm. looks like Cuphead is despite being a Microsoft game going multi-platform and apparently Microsoft themselves asked the Cuphead developers if they would be interested in making a Switch port. So the idea of a Switch port for Nintendo systems came from Microsoft themselves. 
Mm. Um, that is that is a big deal. Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I, I've got loads. <laughs> um, <laughs> absolutely loads. Um, so I'm going to keep it, try and keep it short and sweet because I think there's so much to unpack from this because, you know, I think even a year ago, we wouldn't have expected a Microsoft published game to be on a Nintendo device, really, you know. And I feel like Cuphead has always been the perfect thing to come onto the Switch. I mean, the graphics are amazing. The, you know, again, a platformer, it, it's perfect for it. I mean, the design is just incredible in itself. I'm amazed that's that's graphics, really, not just like FMV, like ripped into a game. It's amazing. And that's going to be released soon. And I mean, I was talking to this on a recent episode of Power Keys with Chris Scullion about, you know, Microsoft own a lot of IPs right now. And they've really transformed themselves into a services company first and foremost and they don't care yeah you know what where you're using their services as long as it's being used that's the main thing now in this new microsoft and i feel like this is now being applied to the gaming aspect of them so you know i feel like that this is the start of something especially before e3 we've seen cuphead the obvious one after this is, of course, Rare Replay. You know, a Rare Replay edition on the Nintendo Switch. So that means Banjo-Kazooie, Donkey Kong 64, um, Blast Core, Jet Force Gemini, Perfect Dark, all on the Switch, you know. And I feel like that would not only, you know, <laughs> be a perfect addition to the Switch, but it would also, you know, make people think of other possibilities, whether banjo in smash brothers for instance you know i've seen that rumored so many times um right yeah i, I said about donkey Kong. i believe it i that's my that's my prediction mm, yeah yeah and i feel like a premium edition of rare replay you know which has all the donkey kong games that rare made onto this edition but now on the switch the so donkey kong country one two and three and again donkey kong 64 diddy kong racing all on this switch to be announced at e3 I mean, a year ago, I would have said this this was impossible. It wasn't going to happen. But I, I kind of feel like if it doesn't happen now, it'll be strange if it didn't now. It feels like it, it can happen and it will happen soon. And I feel like this is the start yeah. of something bigger. Yeah, be, be, because until now, throughout the, uh, the latter... <coughs> excuse me. Throughout the latter half of the GameCube, the Wii and the Wii U... Mm. People have always been asking for like, no, 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 bring bring Banjo Kazooie back in, in in some way. Yeah, but it's been a can't, and if it doesn't yeah. happen now, it would be a won't instead of a can't, and uh, I, I think that would be harder for people to swallow. Mm, yeah, That's with rare it. replays specifically, though, that would be tough. Um, that game is built on the Xbox One's uh, Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty backward compatibility, mm. so. Like even even the N sixty four games, uh, some of them like Banjo Kazooie and Perfect Dark, mm. are the Xbox Live Arcade versions of those games that the Xbox mm. One is using three sixty backward compatibility to play. So I'm not sure it would work exactly like that. But that said, um, individual ports for mm. a lot of these games, especially the you know Banjo Kazooie and Perfect Dark coming to switch in, in in some in some form or another that sounds 
completely right. That sounds mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly like what will happen. If not very soon, then it, at least down the line a little bit. Um, yeah. I that's I I hope it happens. I yeah I, I don't know how uh, I don't know how many episodes of of the show you you've heard, Daryl. But I I I go in into my Banjo Kazooie fandom mode pretty often. I have heard it. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my my favorite game series probably and i would love 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 to to see uh some collaboration on that end um it, at least in the near future maybe even something like um rare's current project sea of thieves has been pretty pretty interesting because of what kind of low-end pcs it's able to run on yeah it's able yeah. to run on some pretty poor pcs uh, so I could see even a, a cross, uh, cross-play compatible Switch version of Sea of Thieves happen in the new, near future, or something like that, and uh, and we we don't seem very far away from it. I I wonder how mm. Sony is going to react to Microsoft and Nintendo working together. Hmm. Yeah. Um. I mean, I feel like after like what I've seen with Sony the past year 18 months i feel like my first reaction will be slow very slowly <laughs> reacting to things um because they, they feel yeah it's almost like they've been in a rhythm like like they'll almost be like they're helping the community in some ways and then they'll almost get cocky in a sense i mean it took them forever to allow crossplay with certain games on other systems and it took forever that's and finally yeah. you know they, they did it and and I've always had this thing, really, with their backwards compatibility stance as well, especially when their they're now CEO you know, said, why would you want to play these old old games? They don't look great anymore. And you only had to look at their PlayStation Classic to just see how badly they did that. I mean, it was such a letdown for me anyway, you know. And I feel like we're probably going to see them react to this when they announce their new console, whether that's at this E3 or the next E3. I think we're just going to maybe do an Apple, wait by the sidelines and then just see what they're going to do and then do it their way from how people have reacted to what Microsoft and Nintendo have done. Um, I can see that happen, but I feel like Sony are just in their process of kind of winding down the PlayStation 4 storyline almost. Um, and Right, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, and then just seeing how it plays out. So I feel like maybe in PS5 era, We'll see their response, but I don't think it's going to be this year. <laughs> I I don't I don't think so either. Um, so to go back to that Nindies Direct, the other game of import that was announced was Cadence of Hyrule, mm. and I when I say of import, I I there are, all of these games are going to be great and important, and I'm sure <laughs> in their own way. But uh, these these two games mean something specific for the industry, and with Cadence of Hyrule, it means that Nintendo is letting an indie studio use Zelda. Mm. And I don't just mean use them like Link is a NPC cameo meetup or or like you can get a master sword like sword in the game. It it's a Zelda game. It is mm. a Zelda Zelda game. It is also a Crypt yeah. of the Necrodancer game. Mm. Uh which is a a very interesting rhythm exploration hard to define game. Uh mm. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, they're they're making a game that is a sequel to both series. Uh, and, and the developers themselves 
said that it, it's it's about fifty percent a Zelda game, fifty percent of a Necrodancer game. It's not it's not more one than the other. Interestingly, Nintendo mm. apparently it like gave them the idea to make this their own game. They came to Nintendo with the idea for um we have some ideas for Zelda enemies and maybe a few dungeons as a as a DLC expansion for Crypt of the Necrodancer on Switch. And Nintendo said, "Well, why don't you just make it a its own game?" And they did. And they mm. just did. <laughs> uh this is this is not like them. No. No. This is a not. very new style for them. Yeah, it's it's really um, encouraging, to be honest, as well, to think that they're doing this. I mean, the Nintendo of 10 years ago wouldn't really have allowed this, you know, ever. You know, they wouldn't allow one of their IPs, almost like Disney, really, you know, up to a point. And I think you can only see their collaboration with Square and Kingdom Hearts and just how well that's done. And I think Nintendo have taken notice of this. And especially where they're now, you know, newly built up relationship with indie devs. It's amazing that we have a game like this. I mean, it reminds me almost like a Four Swords sequel. You know, it's got that graphical style and it looks yeah, great. Yeah, it's kind of kind of like that. Yeah, it looks really great. And I think it's really amazing to kind of see that because I was watching that and I was just, you know, just, you know, like writing away and I had the direct like playing in the background and they were saying about this certain game. And even before they announced, you know, Zelda was appearing in it, I, I first heard like the first chimes of the theme tune and I thought, wait a second, yeah. what's this? <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked and then, of course, I, I mean, honestly, first glance, I did think it was a new top-down cel-shaded Zelda game like Four Swords. And I was thinking, oh, this is great. And then I saw, you know, it's Cadence of Hyrule. But don't get me wrong, just as good, you know, amazing stuff. And again, I think it's amazing that we're seeing an indie studio take the reins of a Nintendo IP. I, mean, I sure I saw a tweet as well. I'm not sure if you saw this one, Mitchell, but I think it was the developer of Shovel Knight and just sending out a tweet going, well, I mean, if you ever, Nintendo, you want us to remake Adventures of Link, Zelda 2, I mean, we're here. Oh, got, yeah. Look at our track records. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> so, I yeah, think... Yeah, Yacht Club Games. They would, they would yeah. knock it out of the park. They would kill it, yeah. It would be an amazing thing to have. And I love their games. You know, it's so good. So I think the future's bright there as well. You know, it's a really great time to be a Nintendo fan, to be honest, you know, because I think they're just opening up their arms to go, come on in, you know, welcome. You want to play that game? You want to make that game for Switch? Let's do it. Let's see what can be done. And I think that's great. You know, I think it's it's going to be an amazing thing. There, there's a history of, of light crossovers and things like this where, um, you know, Bayonetta will have a Princess Peach costume in the Switch version. Or how, um, oh, I just thought of one and I lost it. But, but like, oh, uh, Monster Hunter had a, a Link outfit, you know, things like that. Yeah. But, but those are other games that have small scale Nintendo references. But within the last couple of years, we've had. Mario and Rabbids, which is very much both series. Um, mm. Starlink, which on the Switch is pretty much a Star Fox game. Yeah, it and is, now yeah. and now this with, with Crypt of the Necrodancer and Zelda, um, it, it's it's very it's very interesting. It, um, Pie in the Sky, Daryl. What what kind of weird crossover? 
between a Nintendo IP and a non-Nintendo IP would you want to see in the coming future? Oh, that's a question. Oh, let's see. Because uh... they're up for it now. Apparently, they're ready to do it. Yeah. I cannot feel like... <laughs> um, this is going to sound just weird, but I'm, I'm just going to go with it. Um, just some kind of like solid snake with mixed with maybe well luigi for no reason at all um or that's great <laughs> that's, that's fantastic <laughs> just mix that in i don't know how that would work in any sense you can probably get back to me in a follow-up but i, I can just see them two working away at something <laughs> i don't know but i feel like it can work <laughs> Well, it reminds me of, of that Smash Brothers trailer where Luigi is in Dracula's castle. Yeah, yeah, true. And that... It, Luigi will get up to some mischief. He can <laughs> he can handle himself with the best of them. <laughs> well, he can't, but he, he tries when we appreciate him for trying. Yes. Uh, that's a... Man, that's a great one. I don't, I don't even have an answer. Uh... <laughs> I you know I I'd love to see I'd love to see Donkey Kong and Banjo Kazooie hang out again. They did it a little bit in Diddy Kong Racing, but they should do it more. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah, especially with Microsoft. Uh, make it happen, Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another news item. Uh, very briefly, Sony had a state of play presentation which is basically a nintendo direct it went really poorly people didn't mm. like it um mm. they opened with an iron man vr game that um could be cool maybe mm, but maybe. you know it, it's one of those things where like this is the first direct ever and like you don't you don't open with this you know yeah um, yeah, it. I don't. I don't have any bullet points on our show document to talk about it. So, so we can move on. But you know, I I thought we should mention it, um, in at least in passing. But one that we <laughs> need to talk about is the Apple Arcade. Yes. Um, this this was part of a big Apple press conference in in which there were um a, a lot of other things announced too. But this was a a big uh, piece of interest, especially for people like us, the, the gaming community, as it were. Uh, I'm glad you're here to talk to me about this because I I honestly only kind of understand what this is. And I'd, I'd love to, to get your take on it. Mm. Uh, it, it. It seems to be a Game Pass-like subscription service yeah. for Apple products, iPhones and iPads and iPod Touches, probably. I don't know. Mm. Um, and the the way it works is that it, it, it's it's a fixed price that you pay once a month uh we don't know what it is no. we don't know what the price is and it'll give you access to a number of premium games games which will have no ads no microtransactions no add-on content of any kind hmm. uh they'll, they'll just be like games just game games hmm. and that is the way you get them that that is the way you have them and yeah, that as far as I know, that's it. That's that's what it is. Is is are there any other aspects of this that I'm I'm not understanding? I feel like I'm missing something. Uh, I think there is one thing, but it's it's a strange one, really, with Apple because what they do sometimes they'll they'll do the rare thing of pre-announcing certain things, especially for developers, and 
they'll then reveal what they actually meant maybe a year or two down the line so there's a bit of a story here <laughs> so okay um so last year um so every june they hold a wwdc conference it's where they announce their latest software versions for ios mac os and everything else os and they announced something called marzipan and what this is it's going to allow uh like easier ways of developers porting ios apps to mac os and vice versa as well so pretty much it's going to be the same app working on ios and mac os and with this oh, okay. app, with this apple arcade it looks as though that if you download a game on a device whether it's on your ipad you can then continue playing this said game on the Mac as well, or tvOS on your Apple TV in exactly the same way, exactly the same state as well. You know, so if say, you know, you're midway through a race, for instance, you can carry it on on your Mac. So it can happen like that. And I think the reason why they've said so little of this is because in June when they announced the latest versions again of these you know, software operating systems, I think they're going to go more into Apple Arcade and how well it fits with this marzipan aspect. So I think you were totally right, Mitchell. It is kind of a Games Pass thing. And when I was looking at certain game companies, I mean, Sega, for instance, you know, they said, um, oh, what was it, um, Team, is it Team Sonic Racing? Sonic Team Racing? I think it is. Sonic Team Racing, yeah. Yeah. Or t No, Team... I don't, you know, scientists aren't sure yet. There's no way to know. There's no way to know the exact name of that game. <laughs> yeah, it's a strange one. But yeah, they announced it soon after the event that that was also coming to Apple Arcade. And a few other game companies then started saying, oh, we've announced, um, is it Shantae 5? It's coming to PS4, Switch, Xbox One, PC, and Apple Arcade. And that kind of made me think, oh, okay, so... With these announcements, they're also baking in Apple Arcade, so it's going to be more than just iOS. So again, it makes me think like they are, Apple are kind of waking up to the fact that, oh, games are actually going to be a, it can be a massive part now of their income, really. And I think in September, when I think this is when it's going to be actually brought out, is you're going to see a hell of a lot more of, more well-known games being brought out, really. And I think, you know, Sonic Team Race is going to be a big part of that. And also because as well, and um, the fact that it's also the little things. So in the App Store of iOS, everyone knows in the App Store of the Updates tab. You know, if something isn't working, you just refresh the Updates tab and it's there. But soon, that's actually disappearing. That's being replaced with Apple Arcade instead. So I think that's a big deal in a sense as well. Because straight away when you boot up App Store, it's going to show Apple Arcade. So I feel like there's hmm. a lot of potential here. And I think, again, we're only kind of seeing a small speck of what this service is going to bring. But essentially, I think it is going to be Games Pass for all the Apple devices from iOS to macOS and Apple TV. It, it, it does seem like it's li lining up to be that. Um, I, I think it's interesting that Apple has changed... It seems like they've changed tack on what kind of games they they're trying to court, it, yeah. like from developers. Yeah. Um, because the iPhone came out over ten years ago. Now mm -hmm. it's it's more than ten years old, and for that entire decade of time, not a small amount of time, the iPhone ha has been synonymous with um, games of a fairly 
cheap value. I'd say Angry Birds is an exception to the rule of what gets popular on iOS. It's usually yeah. things that are free, that uh, monetize themselves either through advertisement sponsorships or through microtransactions and um, add-on content. Mm. And this isn't that. So it, it really... It, it's Apple doing something that I don't think they've tried to do in a major way yet. They've they've done it before. They they've definitely they made a big deal about Super Mario Run coming to their 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 platform, uh, and that is a premium game. And they yeah. they made a big deal about sponsoring. I don't I don't remember what happened to this. I don't know if it came out, uh, but it was the next game by the people that made Journey. Does that sound familiar to you? Um, that those the that game company is the name of the company. I think uh, yeah. they they were making an iOS exclusive game. I don't remember what happened to that. I don't know if it came out even. Yeah, um, it, it, it yeah. Um, <laughs> I've just drawn a blank on that. Yes, uh, a, um, I think it was. I think they tried to port one of their games, whether it was Journey or Flower, to the system. Uh, they did that too, but it, it was a new game. It was it was a new game specifically to be exclusive to iOS called um, Sky. Sky, that sounds right. Yeah, Sky. yeah. Um, so they've done they've done one off things with premium games before, where where they really push them, especially like on stage in a big way. Um, and and Angry Birds, of course, was was the beginning of of that, but. This this really seems like a new kind of thing for uh for iPhone owners. Like I I would be I I would experience a little culture shock if I was used to at at this point like accepting that every game is going to have microtransactions and a big ad banner in the game. Hmm. And then suddenly they, they they give me like a traditionally structured game. I I honest I don't know I, I feel I that's obviously better to me, but like if I if I was so used to not having that, I don't know how I'd react to that sudden change in like all of my games are now just just games, <laughs> and yeah. uh, the cruft has been taken off. Yeah, it's a weird thing really with the iOS games. I mean, I remember when um, they first brought out the iPod Touch, and I remember reading an interview from Steve Jobs. And they said that they weren't sure how to market the iPod Touch because it essentially was an iPhone, but without the phone parts. <laughs> so they were thinking, well, how do we even market this? And they decided on the angle of games, which, you know, obviously worked out really well and yeah. it made sense. You know, it really did. But I feel like now, you know, we're, you know, 12 years from when the iPhone was announced and 11 years since the App Store was brought out. I feel like there needs to be more of a jump than just the subscription model because I think another point is the it's the interaction of the game as well because you know games do work on iOS without question but there are games that do require a controller really in order to work properly and I feel like this marzipan aspect is going to work more because I've said on my on my outpost show you know many times now the especially on the ipad it has a smart keyboard function it can pair with keyboards and even though you can use the keyboard for many apps whether it's writing apps calendar apps 
you can't use it for games. You can't use those arrow keys. So if you're firing up a game, you can't simply just fire up Sonic 2 and use the keyboard to play it. You can't do it. And that's pretty yeah. ridiculous on a 12.9 inch iPad, you know, really. And I feel like if they even allowed that, that would bring even more games to the fore as well. And, you know, you could have, I mean, they brought a Bioshock to the system a few years back, but then they, they pulled it. I feel like if they brought the keyboard support to that, you could have Bioshock, um, Doom Classic once again, you know, have apps that are already on the App Store updated for controller and keyboard support. And it works so well. And I think that's be and that aspect of having games work on multiple systems, which Apple Arcade is meant to be doing, I think we're going to be seeing more external devices being able to be compatible with games. And I think that's going to be a big pull for people as well. Because a lot of people out there don't want to use, you know, touch controls. They want to use a an old fashioned controller. And if I can and I, if I can pair up my 8-bit 2 SNES controller with my iPad and play Sonic 2 on a train, I'm gonna be so happy. <laughs> that that's that's a good shout, especially considering that uh when they put out that trailer for Apple Arcade, I was seeing a lot of um 2D platformers. I was seeing a lot of first person shooters. I was seeing a lot of uh puzzle games that were operating at kind of a high speed yeah and all of those things are notoriously bad on on uh like just touchscreen controls so yeah. if they want these games to really shine and seem as good as apple is purporting them to be mm. you're gonna have to have the right control setup as well yeah um yeah, if if they're smart, I I think that's where that would be going. And if controller manufacturers were would were smart, I think uh we could potentially see a huge increase in wireless mobile controllers. A, a lot of the mobile controllers I've seen so far have like plugged into very specific phone ports, mm. and, and because of that, most of them are targeting iOS because that's the most popular phone. But um. If games on on this platform are becoming as popular as they are, and Google on Android has this other thing coming out that we'll talk about in just a second, then uh, maybe cross mobile platform controllers are going to become more popular as well. But let's talk about that Google thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is weird. This is probably mm. the biggest news uh, of of the bunch. Um, at GDC, Google came out. And said, "Hey, we have a platform. We're we're doing a games platform, uh, and that's wild. That's like ridiculous. A lot of people were assuming a console. I I knew it wouldn't exactly be a console because a console um, seems too old fashioned for for Google to just jump in now. Like, why now if you're going to do a console? You know, you could have done a console in in the '90s through now. But um, but but yeah, they're they're doing." A platform it's called stadia yeah unlike apple arcade it is a streaming st uh platform i think people thought Ar arcade was maybe going to be a streaming thing too but it's not it's it you just download those games yeah. but stadia is a streaming platform that uses the cloud uh bank that google has set up across the world the third largest cloud bank in, in the world to stream high speed high performance gaming 
it, it comes with a proprietary uh, controller, which connects directly to Wi-Fi rather than your device because mm-hmm. that controller is uh, communicating directly with the cloud bank, which I think is a cool idea, but it also uses regular controllers that do only connect to your device. Uh, and, and they've uh, apparently gotten a good amount of launch support as well uh, from, from a lot of tools like Unity and Unreal. Not so much from games themselves. They didn't talk a lot about like specific games. They talked about some, but uh, as we get closer to that, we'll, I'm sure we'll hear more. Mm. Uh, Daryl, what's your what's your take on that? Are you positive Stadia or are you negative Stadia? <laughs> um, a bit of both, to be honest. Um, yeah, same. I, I mean, I, I liked I liked part of the conference itself, and I was a bit <laughs> taken aback when straight away the conference started with um, the um, Sunchar just opening with "I don't play games." I'm like, okay, well, that's a great start. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I'll just um, I'll just close this tab. Um, but yeah, you know. it's fine if you don't, because like I don't expect the CEO of Google to play games, but like for that conference, don't be the first like... one to talk. Then. <laughs> yeah, it's like we're going to announce this gaming thing, but first of all, let's just set the record straight. I don't play games. Like that's not the greatest yeah. start. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it was it was unique, like this announcement. It was good. I mean, it was a bit of a throwback um, seeing Phil Harrison come off on the stage as well. When I remember him speaking about Sony games back in the day, that was a throwback. And it, I liked the like the YouTube aspect of how you could watch certain streams and let's plays, and you know, there'd be a pop up straight after going, "Oh, you can now play this game straight away if you wanted to." And I like that, you know, that kind of easy way to go into it fantastic that's great uh what's the good uh, <laughs> um i like the fact that there's a lot of developers signed up to this that's great i mean that that builds a lot of confidence to a lot of people out there you know fantastic and it opens up to a lot of devices that are out there because of course you know android is up to a point an open system you can play it and use it on a on a fablet on a tablet on a phone it's just amazing the amount of devices on Android that are out there right now. And the fact that you can probably use 95% of these devices on Stardew is great, you know. And of course, you know, sharing state, save states, brilliant. So this is the negative part, Mitchell. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was I was excited for this part. <laughs> What's the negative part, Daryl? The negative part is... Yet again, we're retreating the old ground of streaming games, which I feel like it, it again, it, it doesn't bring anything new to the table because we've seen this so many times before. We've seen it with OnLive seven years ago. We've seen it with PlayStation Now when they when Sony bought the um, Gaikai service for streaming. They've done basically nothing with that streaming service, and I feel like it's such a waste opportunity there from Sony. And now Google are now in this form where they're saying about the streaming. And I feel like they missed out on such an important aspect of this. And it's the fact that a lot of people out there don't use their phones primarily on Wi-Fi. And they were pushing this service to be used on Wi-Fi. But funnily enough, a lot of people out there, Mitchell, use their phones on cellular networks. They use it on Verizon, AT&T, EE, O2, all the networks. 
they play they pay a monthly plan for their data and if they said on this stage right we have this cellular data plan agreement with all these mobile providers because as soon as you use the google stardia app you will not be incurred with charges and it will not be taken out of your data allowance each month that would be an instant pull to a lot of consumers out there because i think the greatest thing they could have done was shown a demo of this of someone just being on again a commute or somewhere else that didn't really seem like a great way to have wi-fi service like playing doom eternal on their you know huawei p30 pro on a cellular network that would have been more impressive to me but to me they just kind of pushed the old oh it's on wi-fi and i also felt like you know they were demoing like doom eternal saying oh look at this it's in 4k 60 fps and i was thinking well so what of course it is because it's streaming on a wi-fi network that's probably google fiber their own internet service so i'm not surprised it's well on, not, not only that but like on that specific doom eternal thing they only showed the startup screen of the game and yeah. that looked bad like yeah. there were there were astro it was like a space scene and there were asteroids in the background that were like popping in on yeah. your startup screen. Yeah. And this is like, I, 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 I saw some people likening it to like, okay, this is going to change the game for games, much like how the jump into 3D changed the game. And I mm. don't not believe that. That, that mm. could be true. Mm. But like if they announced the Nintendo 64 in 1995 or whatever, maybe 96. I th Yeah, I think 96. They... We're talking about, like, you're going to have real-time polygon rendering on a massive scale. So, mm. for the first time, you could actually explore environments made out of polygons. And we could have this camera technology yeah. where you can actually look at those polygons from different angles in real time and shift the camera. And you don't need to, like, shift it uh, in 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 uh, hard angles. You can just slowly shift the camera. Yeah. That's amazing. But then if you didn't show Mario 64 at the end of that press conference... That's nothing. <laughs> yeah. That's like, okay, you said it. Like you, you're talking a big game, and mm. then you go home, and you like you don't don't think about it as much because you didn't see Mario sixty four doing it. But yeah. they did when they did that. They they had to have shown Mario sixty four. I I watched it on YouTube, and people in the crowd were going crazy because they were hearing like, okay, fine, Nintendo, you're gonna do this, and then they they saw it, and with 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 this, it it's almost like Google's talking themselves up so high right now, and the the, the closest they had to like a demo of it actually working that i've seen was that thing they did with assassin's creed odyssey where they were um they, they went from a line of four different devices and they started playing it on one thing and then they stopped and then they saved that state and then they picked it up on the next thing and they, they just did that four different times and i believe that was real enough i, I believe that was real mm. but it, it's you're totally right this is the Wi-Fi for the event that they planned months in advance. This is a very specific one-game thing. Yeah. And what you're that that particular example was with a game that came out last year. Yeah. And they they were talking about so many other things like uh like they they brought up Matt Pat from the Game Theorists to talk about all the YouTube uh streaming integration they can do. Mm. And they were talking about some cool things. And this is this is maybe is where I'm the most excited about Stadia as a concept where um you you can bring in other uh, other technologies into the gameplay really easily without having like time to connect. It's just already in there. 
Mm. So you can uh, say, hey, does anyone watching on my stream right now want to join in on this? Uh, I, I think the example they used was NBA 2K. Mm. Uh, and then all the people were like, yeah. And they just all filed into the game from, from the from the chat. So in, in a matter of seconds, you just filled up a, a, a game of basketball all with real people. And they were all, all playing. And the fact that they were all real people and this is like a becoming a very large technically intensive multiplayer experience doesn't matter in this context yeah. that's all amazing and great and cool and that is the potential i see that as the aspect of, of stadia that could actually change the state of games yeah, and what would make a stadia exclusive game unique from other platforms but they didn't show it working and it, it's like <laughs> yeah i don't trust you enough to not think you're lying to me yeah. you know <laughs> yeah yeah that's it that's it yeah you've got it that's and you know i mean again i mean i'm going back to that 4g thing if they even just demoed that that would have been a great thing but they didn't they again it just retreated all ground and i feel like again this is going to be either a service that's going to be limited to certain parts of um, the us or we're not going to see this for another couple of years really and it's going to be something else in a reduced way I just feel like it's a demo just to almost like kind of show off that we can do this, but we're not going to sh bring it yeah. to you yet. <laughs> yeah, we can do this. There would be no reason for us to do this, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, you don't need to see it. Yeah. Just trust us. Yeah, yeah. just, it's, you know, you it's might a, see it's it. A huge, it's a huge amount of trust that they're asking for. Um, someday streaming games will be a, a technological norm it'll be yeah. something that you can do um i honestly would have expected amazon to be the first people to get there but if google's doing it that's that's cool and that makes sense too mm. but um if whenever it happens it'll seem out of nowhere and it'll seem like whoa this is crazy yeah. and because it'll always seem that way why not now why why not this be the point where it works out True. but they 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 needed to have like someone in someone just in, in a mine in Minnesota pulled up on a live stream and they say hey Bob are you are you able to play Assassin's Creed from there and then they say yeah I'm just playing that that state save state that you just put up right now mm. like they they needed something like that it would have been cheesy and and stuff and it probably would would have seemed fake also but they mm. need something. Because what they were doing, I just didn't seem it didn't seem right. It it didn't quite fill out uh, all all of my my checklist of what I need to see in order to believe it's gonna really work. Uh, some of the technology that they talked about though is is good. It's optimistic, but you know, without seeing either it work or the source code of why it would work, I can only take it. At their word that it works, and I assume that it half works because mm. what they were saying about what happened in August of last year, I th no, not August, <laughs> I, maybe yeah. November of last yeah. year, they yeah. they they did that test with Assassin's Creed Odyssey, right? And mm. with Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you you could stream it, and it was a streamable game, and it worked. Uh, it was like a very small sliver of what we now know as Stadia. Mm. But they came out and said. Well, after our success with Assassin's Creed Odyssey in the last fall, and no, dude, it wasn't that. It was a very mixed result. Like it sometimes worked, yeah. And you can't, 
you're just trying to tell me it worked all the time and it didn't it it wasn't like that uh and and if they're willing to kind of stretch the truth about this thing that i know already happened then i'm i'm not necessarily excited to uh to to look into this thing that they're saying is new but there there is there's good aspects of this to be sure um Stadia Studios is, is a new first-party development studio within Google, headed by Jade Raymond. And I didn't know who this person was before this uh, this conference, so I looked her up. And she she is an, has an impressive resume. Have you heard of her before? I haven't, to be honest. No, this came as a surprise. No, oh, she she is a, a really prolific person. She started in. At at, uh, at EA in the late '90s, and I believe she did some early work on The Sims, um, okay. but a lot of what she's done came from Ubisoft. And uh, when, when when studios like or not studios when when big corporations like Google or Apple or Amazon poach games people, I always get a little bit nervous because I'm thinking like, okay, what kind of person though? Because uh, I, I know Apple hired some people that used to work at uh, at King and Zynga. Hmm. and like oh come on not them <laughs> don't get ki- the king and zynga people but uh but jade raymond worked at ubisoft and she was like i, I think she was the the director or like the project head right. on the first assassin's creed and she worked on a lot of other um a, a, a lot of other new ip creation stuff she she headed a i think she worked on forming a new ubisoft studio and then recently she was uh working on the amy hennig star wars game until ea shut that down uh conclusively just recently earlier this month she was made a new vice president of google right uh which is that's that's high up how many vice presidents can a company have i i want to say it's probably a lot (laughs) at google (laughs) so maybe it's not as cool as it seems but like vice president that's that's amazing and she was uh, put in charge specifically. Her her like day job at Google now is is uh, heading this new first party development studio for Stadia. So uh, I think that is a huge piece of good news. That that'll be really cool mm. to see Stadia exclusive games um, come from a first party studio like that, who's led by someone who has a good amount of expertise in the industry. I hope that works out. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so too. Um, I think it's a lot of it is just wait and see on this aspect. Uh, yeah, yeah I, it, I mean, it totally is. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to be like more enthusiastic about it, Mitchell. I really would. Um, but I just feel like this is going to be something like, to be honest, even like, like you said, like EA um, Star Wars games. I mean, they announced Amy Hennig's Star Wars game a couple of years ago, and I was so excited, and then they just cancelled it. Um, I'm I'm apprehensive is my over overall feeling really on this. Um, it'd be great if it could work, um, but I feel like we're a couple of years out from it actually being on every Android device at the minute. I well well hang on, Stadia is is gonna launch on on more than just android devices though their their uh whole whole point is that it's going to be in browser 
So mm. and on phones, it's probably going to be in-app rather than in-browser, but mm. um, it, it, it will be on iOS. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to bring it to things like Switch. And uh, I'm, I'm sure Xbox would be maybe game to have it, and I'm sure PS4 would maybe be not game to have it. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I do see this this coming to more things than, than just Android devices. Um, okay. Yeah, I because the computational aspect of it is not in the device itself, so I'm not sure why that would be a limiting factor so much. I think it's um, fear. I think that's why I'm saying Android devices, because I think... A lot of people out there are going to be doing what Sony are going to be doing with Microsoft and Nintendo. They're going to wait and see how this is going to be received because it's all well and good doing a great conference and demoing something, but they need to bring it out. They need to bring it out to, I think it's a test anyway, to certain you know, Android devices to see how well it works because they can't just flick on a switch and go, right, go to your Chrome browser and it'll work. It, 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 it's not realistic. It can't work like that. You know, they'll have to see how it goes over a certain period. And I yeah. feel like the Android devices is the first step in this. I could see this like launching on like the next Pixel books and their laptop form or the Pixel 4, uh, Pixel 4 series in the fall. I can see that happening. And then after that, then they'll bring it to Chrome browsers everywhere. Um, I don't see it being on iOS for the, the main reason is just because the Apple and internet browsers, they're very limited. They only really work on Safari's own engine, to be honest. So I, I can't really see it happening. And also the fact that on iOS devices, you can't really, I, I don't think you can even view um, 4K videos um, properly on, on, on internet or on YouTube. So I, I think it's very right. limiting. So I think it's a wait and see on that, to be honest. Well, the the November Assassin's Creed Odyssey test was in browser. Um, it it did already work in that regard. So I'm I'm not I'm not as I'm not as worried about that specific angle of it. I I think wh- whatever they do will will be um, on, on uh, either either on browser or I mean what what would be more likely on phones is that they would have a dedicated app for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Google, I, I, I think they would still do it on on iPhones unless Apple like actually bans them from doing it. I, I think that wouldn't be so much of a problem. Mm. But I, you know, the 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 beginning part of this, the will there be a place where I can try to do this? Yeah, I, I don't think that'll be so much of a problem. It'll it'll just be like once I'm actually doing this, is it good at all? Like it, once I'm playing Assassin's Creed on my phone in the middle of a field somewhere, is it? <laughs> am I getting any kind of resolution that, uh, it, it, if not matches the 4K potential of the game, at least matches like the the 1080 potential of of the phone I'm on? Um, it, yeah, like if if yeah. That's all I have to say about it. Um, they'll, they'll they'll probably. I bet there's going to be some weird stuff in the next Assassin's Creed. Yeah. That is really focused on on Stadia. Uh, they they brought out the head of Ubisoft and and of course uh, Jade Raymond is from Ubisoft and it, it seems like their relationship is is still good. Um, so they're. They they really 
seem to be focusing on, on, on Ubisoft integration, which I think is a good company to take for something like this. I was thinking um, back when it looked like Atari might come out with a new console that mm. seemed to possibly be like a, um, a, a, a AAA console of some kind. When they were doing that, uh, I, w- I was thinking, oh man, if, if they're going to buy a video game studio, they should buy Ubisoft they, because they're they're one of the, I think, more respected, untapped, big AAA publishers. Uh, and, and Google doesn't seem to be buying them, possibly because they are impossible to buy now because yeah. they've spread out their stocks so, so much throughout uh, all of these small Canadian businesses that all own parts of Ubisoft. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it it's it, it's such a mystery. It is, Daryl. I don't. I just don't know how to think about it. Uh, if it works, that's that's amazing. But they just haven't given me enough to know if it works. Yeah. It, it's. I think it's definitely just a wait and see. Really, we've just seen part one of this story, so I feel like, I think when they properly announce their next line of, you know, like the name of Android, the next version, and what that will bring, and all the new phones you know in summer i think we're going to see more of it so i think it's just a to be continued from this bit sure so that's been our show thank you so much for for being on the show with me daryl it's been great yeah i really appreciate you having me on it's been really fun no problem anytime uh listeners out there you can write into the podcast at podcast at superjumpmagazine.com that is podcast at superjumpmagazine.com Com. Let's head into our last segment of the show, the after-school activities. So I, I have a quick one. Uh, Baba is You is a puzzle game that uh, if you're if you're in games Twitter at all, you've probably seen a lot of screenshots and, and like little videos of, of things in Baba is You. Uh, it, it's a great, really inventive, really really uh, fun, fundamentally fresh ios or sorry i'm it's not ios i'm just thinking about mobile stuff right now it's on <laughs> switch uh it's it's on it's on you know normal consoles uh the the game is again called baba is you it it has a lot of like programmer-esque language type puzzles in it that uh are are, are really really cool and i i don't know if i've ever seen a game that works quite like that so i i would recommend you go check it out it's it's fairly inexpensive and it's fairly short so um try try to work it into your life daryl what's yours do you have a do you have an after school activity you know what i'm just gonna have to say um just two rock on switch it's amazing you should all really play it and as soon as possible great yeah that that's that's awesome that's a good after i was assuming <laughs> that you would go for your podcast as <laughs> as an after school activity well, you get um, that but to rock on switch <laughs> Yeah, I, um, I could add that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what what are the names of your podcasts again? Well, um, these podcasts, they are uh, Pal Keys. So it's just Pal and Keys. Um, you will be able to find it on all the, all the podcast apps. And of course, Outpost Show. And that will be just everywhere. Like I say, last episode is coming soon. And then it's a hiatus until June when Apple did a WWDC. But yeah, it's Outpost Show and Pal Keys. Great, great. Uh, I'm I'm excited about having you on the show because I uh, I, I listened to Palkeys when I when I first heard from you and I was, um, 
when, when people approach me about like I don't know. I don't want to. Maybe I. Maybe I don't want to talk about this. But like when people <laughs> approach me about being on the podcast, I'm like, okay, uh, we'll we'll see. But then I heard your show, and I, I'm like, oh shit, he's better at me, better oh, than me shit. at this. So uh, <laughs> oh, it, it's a good show. I really do recommend people people go check it out. Uh, it's it's a really fun idea too. Work, working in final bosses in, into uh, mm. into interviews is a. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything else that that quite does that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a good it's, show. It's a good show. It's <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's definitely a fun aspect of it. Yeah, a lot of bosses I didn't expect really. So uh, yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> um, okay, so we have uh, just one announcement. Um, we've been cleared to go to E3. I will be there myself. If you are interested in uh, any listeners out there, if you're interested in, in having us cover specific games, E3 is a big place with a lot of options for where you spend your time. Uh, so we can't cover everything, but if there's a game out there that y'all are interested in in, in seeing specifically, uh, or there's like a, there's an aspect of the show that you want to see more about, send in your coverage request. You can do so at the uh, that that same email address podcast at superjumpmagazine.com this is the third year that the podcast is covering e3 it's it's my my god it's my fifth year covering e3 i'm i'm excited that it's 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 gotten this far but i feel like the time has just passed me by and i'm going to die soon of old age um but but yeah I- I- anything that you guys out there want to have uh, covered from E3, you know we're probably going to spend time at like Nintendo's booth and uh, and you know if, if there's a new if if there's a new big Xbox exclusive game that's definitely going to happen too. But anything else, you know, uh, send in that coverage request. Our theme song is the song Jerome. It's by Jamitar, who is a a great musician. Please remember if you can if if you're interested. Subscribe to us, uh, review us on iTunes, tell a friend about the show. We grow mostly and 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 really just primarily by word of mouth. So if you if you sh- share the show with a friend, that means the world to us. It, it it really can make a difference. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Daryl, for being on the show, and stay super. Mm-hmm.